chapter 12. I'll finish this thing up on back to basics. A few more things I want to hit in the chapter here. And uh, like we said this morning, it's the idea of a new year. And to me, it's like being in school. Amen? Now, I know some people love school and some people hate school. And to some people, school was a blur. <laughs> I have some pretty good memories in school, and I have some years that I just would just like to forget. Amen? And I think if we're honest, everyone's got a few, maybe semesters, that weren't uh, a display of their greatest moments. <laughs> and uh, some semesters, I remember like my, the last semester, believe it or not, the last semester of my senior year, I'm not going to preach on me, but the last semester of my senior year, I was actually like, I did pretty good, you know. I got an A in Algebra 2. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. But, and, and then I'm thinking, wait a minute, if I could do this now, why, <laughs> why didn't I do it before? Uh, you say, well, you just hadn't quite grown up yet. Amen. Amen. Sometimes it takes a while to grow into the body that you have. And sometimes it takes a while to grow into your Christianity. Amen. Sometimes we just don't realize what we have. The Lord knows our aptitude. He knows what we're capable of, right? And a lot of times we don't. So we sell ourselves short. This isn't a message about positivity. But sometimes you sell yourself short thinking that you can't do it, and with the Holy Spirit's help, you can do it. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12, I'll read just a few verses here. Um, let's pick it up in Hebrews chapter 12. I want to say we're going to pick it up about uh, verse number 12, 12, 12. I'll tell you what, once you stand, stretch your legs real quick, and we're just going to read down to verse number 19. And you just follow along here. The Bible says, Wherefore? Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way but let it rather be healed. Verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. 15 says, Looking diligently lest any man fail the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he had inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor under blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words. And I want to just cut that thought off right there and try to finish this thing up tonight. Brother Dave, uh, would you uh, ask Lord's help in the preaching tonight? Amen. Thank you. Be seated. I want to tell you all, I, I've had uh, a lot of fun tonight. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not compromising by telling you. I've had a blast. It's just been good. This, this, is, this is my church family right here. Amen. And uh, it's just good. It's just good to be in, in the house of the Lord, as they say. And I'm glad you came, and I'm glad I came. Amen. 
Now here, uh, I'll just uh, give you the points here that we preach you this morning. First of all, I, uh, I showed you I see an environment to maintain. Not going to re-preach it. In verse 1 there, and then uh, I saw a race to run in verse number 1. I see a finisher to focus on, looking into Jesus, of course, in verse 2. And I see the importance of a review. <laughs> an important review in verse number 3. And uh, in verse number 5, we uh, preached about dealing with some detentions. <laughs> detentions, oh boy, a lot of fun there. And uh, that was number 5. And of course, number 6, we talked about some heavenly homework. So as we pick up on that thing there with heavenly homework being, of course, prayer. That's the hands that hang down, you know. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, the, the feeble knees uh, being uh, possibly a Christian who has stopped Walking with the Lord, I want to move on here, and I can give you number seven here. And I see in the in the text, in the passage here today, I see some paths that need to be straightened. Some paths that need to be straightened. Now, uh, this will give you the idea and the thought about order and organization. Uh, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he talks about let everything be done decently and in order. And the Christian life needs order. There has to be order in the church. Now, we are varying from that order tonight, and that's why it's kind of a breath of fresh air. As Baptists, as Bible-believing Baptists, we're, we are very much traditionalist, and I'm good with order. I think it's important. It's appropriate. But it's also okay to vary from that, <laughs> lest we get entrenched in this uh, boring, uh, dry, cracker juice religion. Amen? It's good every once in a while to just break away from the norm and not only feed the soul, but we're going to feed the body in just a few minutes. That's a good thing, amen? But the importance in the Christian life is you need some order. You need some organization. And many Christians, uh, if they would simply order and organize their personal life, they would find that the order would follow in their spiritual life. Uh, but a lot of Christians, they're just, I don't know, they're just disorganized. But look at this here, number 13, verse 13. The Bible says, and make straight paths... For your feet, so I just got some uh, thoughts here, and uh, and uh, so there's some paths that need to be straightened, and that means uh, you're going to have to get rid of some garbage in your life. Remember, we're talking about being back to basics. Uh, the fact of the matter is, when school starts for me as a kid, not only did we get new supplies, maybe some new clothes. Uh, now, if you're homeschool, you just lose out on that. Sorry about that. <laughs> you know, whatever. Cry later. <laughs> Uh, but no school clothes, right? And but at the same time, you get to sleep in if you want. Say amen. But you got to get rid of some garbage. So when it was, came around time for school and to get supplies and you know maybe a new lunchbox, they even do that anymore. I remember I had uh, one of my favorite lunchbox. I probably date myself here. Was a Flintstone lunchbox. That was the greatest thing in the world. And whatever. So, anyways, it was uh, it was really great. Anyways, so. Uh, but uh, not only that, but I remember when it was time for school to roll around, uh, my mama made me clean my room. She's like, only once a year. No, it was more than that. But it's like, if you, you know, and then the bedtime got put in place. And when you got home, you had to get your homework done. You need order. You need to organize your life. And, and Paul here says, make straight paths for your feet. And so you got to get rid of some garbage. If you remember over there in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10, the reason why the children of Israel couldn't get things done uh, in the land it's because there's too much junk in the way. I just paraphrase it. Uh, Nehemiah 4.10, he said, there's much rubbish. And they couldn't build the wall. There's too much junk. And I just was thinking here, you know, we, there's some paths in our life that need to be straightened. And there's sometimes just too much junk in the way of us trying to actually do something for the Lord. 
and sometimes you got to declutter. Sometimes you got to take that junk drawer, and if you haven't opened it for three days, throw it in a box. And go throw it in the shed for another thing. If you ain't use it in 60 days, unless there's an ancient heirloom from Aunt Bertha, burn it, man. <laughs> right? Get rid of it. And, uh, but you need to get rid of some garbage. And not only that, you got to get rid of some garbage, but you got to get moving in the right direction. You got to get moving in the right direction. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 29, the Bible says, The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. And let me say this, uh, you got to make straight paths for your feet. And sometimes you won't feel like going anywhere. You won't feel like doing anything for the Lord. You won't feel like going to church. You won't feel like reading your Bible until you make that first step. And then he'll give you the strength to take the next one and so forth and so on. The Bible says there, the way of the Lord is strength to the upright. Face it, we're weak creatures. Uh, even at our best state, when we're the toughest and strongest and leanest and meanest and Maybe not so lean in our days, amen. But, uh, you know, even when we're the, the best of the best and the fittest of the fittest, we're still nothing but flesh. And uh, the Bible says the way of the Lord is strength to the upright. And, of course, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. So when you take the step uh, to go in the right direction, back to the basics, right? Just take the first step to go in the right direction. You know what he does? He strengthens you to do it, and then he gives you light for that next step. And that's what many times we're afraid of. Well, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. Well, just take the first step. Just, I don't feel like going to church. Okay, go to church. And I'm pretty sure that when you went, you probably were pretty glad that you went. You're pretty glad. Pretty good. Now, it's not just about going to church. and not just about, I'm telling you what, uh, let me, let's, not, let's not undersell church. You know I don't beat people up for not making all the services, but let's, let's refuse to undersell the importance of it. Does that make sense? It is important. It is vital to your Christian life that you get together with other believers. Why? You need to see that he hasn't quit, she hasn't quit, and you haven't quit. And you need to see that, and you need to be like, okay, I could, I could, I could do this. <laughs> With the Lord's help, of course. So you got to get moving in the right direction. Now, here's the thing. If you don't, if you don't get rid of some garbage, here's the other side of it. And if you don't get moving in the right direction, guess what? Well, remember, there's the feeble knees in verse 12, right? Uh, they, they could be your own legs, <laughs> right? That might be your own legs. Uh, if you don't uh, get moving in the right direction, if you don't get rid of some garbage, then uh, the Bible says in verse 13, then the lame are turned out of the way turned out of the way and it could be your own legs that are turned out of the way or it could, re it could refer to another uh, Christian running the race to your right or left you see that it just doesn't affect you it affects somebody else too uh, no man is an epistle unto himself <laughs> I know I said that wrong uh, but everything you do will affect somebody else and if you don't uh, learn to get rid of some garbage in your life and get moving in the right direction and uh, take and get them paths straightened out that lead you direct to fellowship with Jesus Christ and doing the right thing as a Christian. Now think about it. Don't you want to be the best Christian you can possibly be this year? I mean, don't you want to be a better husband this year than last year? Don't you want to be? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, let me tell you what. You'll be a better husband this year than you were last year. How's that? Amen. <laughs> 
And, uh, but don't you want to be a better church member this year than you were last year? You say, what does that even mean? I don't know. Ask the Lord. He'll show you. Someone that edifies, someone that encourages. Not up in everybody's business, right? Don't you want to be the, you know, they say, be the best version of you. Don't you want to be the best church member possible? That doesn't mean you know it all. That just means you're helpful. You got a good spirit, and I'm not saying you don't. But I'm telling you, don't you want to be better this year than you were next year, last year? I do. I do. Well, uh, you got to get rid of some garbage. You got to get moving in the right direction. And how about this in verse 13? You got to get healed up on some things. This needs to be the year where we get some healing. You say, I know, preacher, I'll tell you what, my leg is about ready to fall. Okay, well, maybe you need some physical healing too, amen, but you need some spiritual healing. Why? Well, I'm not stupid. Well, some days I am, but I'm not stupid. I know there are some Christians that are really hurting. Some of you were wounded this last year, and some of you probably struggled to, to get healed. You know, there in that passage, it says, uh, let it rather be healed. And that's, of course, uh, back to your walk with the Lord. There are some things that you really need to get healed up, healed up on. Uh, some of you have uh, expectations of other Christians. If you're going to get healed of that thing, you've got to stop having expectations of other people. I'm telling you right now, you want to get hurt this year? Make expectations of yourself. You, you want to get hurt this year? You want to get all tore up? Make expectations of the brethren. And the devil be sure that they don't meet it. So you need some healing on that thing. So let it rather be healed. If you uh, don't have any expectations, there'll be no disappointments, right? Now, we know that we have certain responsibilities as a Christian. We have certain responsibilities as husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, a certain responsibility as children. That's a different thing besides expectations. We should do right, but guess what? We don't always. And we end up, when we don't do right, we end up hurting other people. And they have to heal over that thing. And now we have to, uh, some of you will, won't heal because you're too hard on yourself. Not positivity, it's just reality. Uh, some of you uh, hold yourself to a higher standard than God holds you. Being honest now, and because you failed in the past, you think you can never go forward. Let me tell you what, the Lord died for you. The Lord died for you. When He died for you, you know what He knew? He knew you'd mess up exactly where you'd mess up. And He knew, see what I mean? He still died for you, He still finished for you. But uh, there are some paths that need to be straightened. Let me give you this one. Now, now, in school, invariably, now not so much more now, but I'll give you number eight. There's some rules to follow. <laughs> this is the part nobody likes about school, the rules, which I have good news for most of you going into school that are in school. that You all don't hardly have any rules at all. You just do whatever the fire you want. Amen? Amen. Amen, teacher? Teach, that's right. But uh, there's some rules to follow. I see here, look at this in verse 14. You know what Paul says? He says, follow peace with all men and holiness. I just want you to focus on those couple things right there, first of all. Um, I don't want to focus on that part that says, without which no man shall see the Lord. That uh, actually has a tribulation context of a tribulation a mid-trib rapture uh, with the Jewish saints, so we're not going to focus on that. I'm trying to keep it practical for you, amen? But we will rightly divide, and now we'll practically apply. <laughs> there are some rules that we need to follow. We're keeping it basic, keeping it simple. First of all, we ought to follow peace. Amen? This ought to be the year that we follow after peace. That is a New Testament doctrine. 
we should follow after peace. Romans chapter 14, verse 19, Paul says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. That doesn't sound too much like Bible believers, does it? As Bible believers, we like to fight. We do. You're like, oh, not me. I'm like, oh, maybe I should take some counsel from you then. But Christians like to fight each other. Right? Why? We're soldiers. Don't forget that. The desire to fight is not always a bad thing. Uh, I get worried when some people, there's, there's no fight in them whatsoever, you know what I mean? <laughs> but all that thing is you need to, need to follow the rules, you need to follow peace. And he said, let us therefore follow the things which make for peace. He says again, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, ever follow that which is good. Now what happens as a Christian, and you've got to be careful this year, you'll put your eyes on someone else besides the finisher, and you'll see because they don't do it like you do it that they're wrong about everything. No, you just relax. <laughs> Follow after the things for peace, right? See, look, I am looking for more reasons to have fellowship with somebody than I am to nitpick with them. Now, I know I, what I'm saying. I'm eating some hard words right now. Amen? And the Lord's had to take me through the washer and the wringer and, the, you know, with put Ajax on it and scrub me out because for the longest time I figured if you weren't doing it the way I was doing it, that me and you had to have a talk. <laughs> well, guess what? You just need to relax a little bit and follow after peace. Nothing wrong with peace. Not like, hey, peace. You know, but hey, right? Same concept. Relax. Do thyself no harm for we are all here. I don't care how you get out of bed. I don't care what you wear to bed. I really don't. But you know what? You love the Lord. You're saved by grace through faith. You love the King James Bible. Now I got something to fellowship with you over. All this other secondary, pharisaical baloney, I don't worry about it. They need to follow after peace. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.22, follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with them that call on the Lord with a pure heart. You know, your brethren aren't as bad as you make them out to be sometimes. Amen? It's okay. Just follow. It's all right to fellowship with them. Now, look, if they're against you and what you're doing here at this local church, I would walk across the street with them. That's a different story. That'll keep you from doing what you need to do for God. All right, now, not only follow peace, but he says in that passage, follow holiness. Now, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7. Just a couple more things here. We're talking about back to basics. And there are some rules to follow. And the first day of uh, school, you know what they normally do? They tell you, okay, now first hour is going to start here, and we're going to go to there, and second hour starts here, and then third hour, and then, woo-hoo, lunch, amen. Everybody loves lunch, right? And then fourth, fifth, and sixth. And when I went to school, everyone had a study hall uh, because you were still doing some study. And where I, where I substitute, nobody studies, it seems like, so there's no need for a study hall. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, look at First Thessalonians 4, 7. The Bible says, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And that, you ever just think about that whole concept? Bible says, be holy for I am holy, right? And you hear of holiness and, you know, the hymn, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And God uh, himself embodies the word holiness. But I, I got to thinking, what in the world is holiness? Is it doing things a certain way? Is it having rigidity and being... Uh, Back in the day, it was uh, if you were, had piety in your life, you know, like if someone laughed, you would not laugh. That was being holy. You know, it was being an idiot, I guess. 
But look at 2 Corinthians, because the Bible always has the answer. And I'm going to show you what holiness is. And uh, holiness is something that you should always be striving for. Why? It's a rule you should follow. It really is. Uh, is what you're about ready to do, will this, will this help me to follow holiness? If the answer is no, you probably shouldn't do it. But see, again, there are some things we let into our lives because we think we can have, we don't lay it aside, we can't follow peace, and we can't follow after holiness. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, notice what he says here in the middle of that verse, he says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the sight of God. So the best Bible definition is this. You do everything in your power to clean yourself up physically and spiritually. That's the best Bible definition. I, you want to be holy, you want to, you want to embody holiness, it's cleansing ourself from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. There's fleshly filthiness, right? And then there's spiritual filthiness. You say, what's spiritual filthiness? <laughs> You're welcome. It's pride. It's station. It's uh, arrogance. And it's uh, presumptuous, being presumptuous. And always uh, having to be in the spotlight. And, uh, you, know, you know, spiritual filthiness, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, being in that place where you're just so easily offended at what everybody says. That's spiritual filthiness. And he says, follow peace and follow after holiness. That's a good rule to follow. Is what I'm about to do today in class, <laughs> we're in his class, right? Is it going to help me follow after holiness? No, it's not. Well, skip it. Go to lunch. <laughs> Amen. Go have a cheeseburger or something. But you ought to follow holiness. So you got to follow some rules. You follow peace. You follow holiness. Now look at this in verse 15. Here's another rule I see. You got to be diligent. Amen. I mean, if you're going to get good grades, you have to be diligent in your studies, right? If you're going to make the grade in a, in a standardized classroom, you're going to have to show up. You might not necessarily have to have perfect attendance, but it does help, right? It does help. You don't have to do it, but it does help uh, you to, to retain all the material. And you have to study, and you have to pay attention. You have to take some notes, right? And then you have to ask questions, right? You have to raise your hands. Why? Because a lot of students, their hands are... Hanging down, right? You see it? Verse 12. Uh, so you, you, you lift up the hands. You ask them a question. Lord, I don't understand this. And he gives you the answer. Might not right away, just over time. But you have to be diligent. All right? This year, if we're going to keep it simple, go back to the basics, we just have to learn to be diligent with what we do for the Lord. Just be diligent. You might not do everything, but whatever it is you're doing for the Lord, just be diligent at it. Now, here's the thing. That Bible says in verse 15, looking diligently. Now, look, I'm looking at Jesus Christ, all right? But the rule to follow is you ought to be diligent in your Christian life. Be diligent. And a lack of diligence in your Christian life, you know what it creates? The same thing it creates in the classroom. <laughs> if you're not diligent in your studies, you will most likely reflect it in your grades, right? There's that student that comes in, is on his phone the whole time, Always looking down, you know, drooling all over himself or whatever. And he doesn't do his work. He doesn't turn his work in. He doesn't take the test. Guess what? He's going to fail. <laughs> Not very diligent. So Christian, you and I this year, to keep it simple, back to the basics, you'll have to learn to be diligent. 
But when you're not diligent in your Christian life, it creates failure. Uh, <coughs> in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, we'll see it creates failure in our faith. See what I mean? Your faith can fail through this year if you're not diligent with your own Christianity. Now, there's just something about being a Christian. I'm glad I am one, but you've got to ask the question, am I a diligent Christian? Am I diligent to what God has told me to do? You don't have to have a preacher get up here uh, and tell you everything that you need to do. You have a Bible to do that. Now, a good preacher will tell you what you should do according to the Bible. Amen. But you know what you should be doing as a Christian. The question you have to ask yourself is, am I diligent in what I'm doing? If you're not, you'll, be, uh, you'll create failure in your faith. And it creates uh, failure in Psalm chapter 12, verse 1, in your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to the things of God. Whatever it is God's told you to do, uh, you can, your faith can fail. You stop believing that God's really who He says He is. You stop believing that He'll actually supply your need. You'll stop believing that you can get comfort and get through the disappointments and difficulties you're presently in. And then your faithfulness begins to fail because your faith failed. You see how it ties in together? And now you're no longer faithful to read in your Bible. And now you're no longer faithful to pray for your food. Seems kind of trivial. So You see what I mean? Your faith's failing. Well, it's just a bowl of cereal. I don't know about you. You go to McDonald's, you better pray twice. <laughs> Amen. They say billions and billions served. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many people have been viewed because they went to McDonald's? Amen. Now, uh, be diligent. A lack of diligence in your Christian life creates failure, but a man who is diligent in his Christian life, he'll prosper spiritually. He'll prosper spiritually. Now, this is an Old Testament. Some days I kind of wish it was, but I'm glad it isn't. In the Old Testament, if you were faithful to the Lord, uh, like Abraham, you'd become rich in silver and gold. <laughs> but guess what? The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And our reward's up there when it's all over. So that's why we need to be diligent down here. And listen now, you say, well, it must have been easier to be diligent. God rewarding you when, oh, I don't know, man. They had faith and works in their salvation. Uh, I'm glad it's just by grace through faith. Because if my salvation had to depend on whether or not I was keeping the law, <laughs> any rate, <laughs> next point is, see what I mean? Uh, but if you're if a man who's diligent in his Christian life, he'll prosper spiritually. He'll prosper spiritually. I'll give you a couple things here. A man should be diligent about uh, his uh, state before God. Second Peter three fourteen, the Bible says, "Be diligent that ye may be uh, found of him in peace, without spot and blameless." You ought to know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord. You ought to be diligent with that thing. A man should be diligent about doing the Lord's commandments. That's Joshua twenty two five. Oh, I just take the word diligent, diligence and diligently and run them through the Bible and you see there's about a dozen things that you and I ought to practically be diligent about. I'll give you a couple more. A man should be diligent in listening to the voice of the Lord. You say, how do you know his voice? Well, he speaks in a still small voice. So you've got to get quiet enough with him so you hear him. Am I listening for, am I listening for Greek or Hebrew? No, no. You, you find his word through his words. See what I mean? Man should be diligent to teach his children the Word of God. That's Deuteronomy 6, 7. Amen. You got kids, you got to teach them the book. Amen, the best you can. Don't leave it, for, don't, don't leave it to the church. Don't leave it to the school. Don't, please don't leave it to the school. Uh, don't say, well, I took my kids to church. That, that don't mean nothing. That means you took them to church. It means you were churchy. Praise the Lord. The Lord will bless you for being churchy if you're going for the right reason. 
But a man should be diligently to teach his children the word of God. A man should be diligently in seeking the Lord. Do you seek the Lord? This year, going into this new year, man, there's things we want to do, things we have to do, and things we would rather be doing. <laughs> but the question is, is seeking the Lord in that list? That's a tough one because in America, we're self-driven. We should be diligently to seek the Lord. Now, there's a number, but I want to move on here. We're talking about just some simple rules to follow. We're almost done here. I'll give you this one. You've got to learn to root up your bitterness. Root up your bitterness. That's a good rule. Verse number 15, the Bible says, Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And, of course, the reason you need to root up the bitterness, besides the fact that God told you, right, the things that are tripping you up, the things that you're mad about right now, <laughs> the things that you're mad about when somebody's name is mentioned. You see what I mean? If I said someone's name around you, some of you would get instantly mad. If I said the word Joe Biden, <laughs> I'm sorry, President Biden, some of you get very mad. Are you bitter about it? I mean, the devil's the one running this show. <laughs> so you're not going to change it. Just pray for it. I say, if there's anything we need, we need a modern-day Moses willing to pray for the nation, willing to confess the sins of the nation. You say, what are the sins of the nation? We, we ain't got enough time on the clock to go into that. Amen. But bitterness is, well, when, when you hear something mentioned, you get all nervous and nervous in the service, you know what I mean? Meant somebody's name because they did you wrong, you know what I mean? And you need to root that thing up. First of all, it's in the verse because if you don't, it'll trouble you. I've been troubled many, many days and probably many, many years over being bitter about things and thinking that I had the moral high ground and the spiritual, you know, I had the spirit. No, I was just stinking bitter is what I was. And you got to get root, of, got to root out that bitterness. Why? Because verse 15, you see that it defiles many. It gives you the trouble, but it rubs off and defiles everybody else. See what I mean? You got to get rid of the bitterness. Well, it wasn't my fault. The Lord knows that. That's why the Lord let you go through it, right? You ever stop and just think that the Lord actually figured that you could handle it, so he let you go through it? You ever thank the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sure glad I went through uh, this thing that's troubling me all the time. I'm thankful that you didn't put it on somebody else. That's a good way to look at it. Lord thought you were decent enough to go through it. Now, you need to root out the bitterness. Why? Because if you look at verse 16, it prevents carnality. It prevents carnality. And who shows up in 16? Well, that's Esau. What's Esau's problem? Well, <laughs> he's a fornicator, number one. He's profane, and he's bitter. He's the epitome of bitterness. Now, not only that, you root out bitterness to prevent frustration. People in church are frustrated all the time, called frustrated ambition. They're just not happy where God has them. Well, look at verse 17. Esau, he found no place of repentance. How frustrating is that? No place of repentance. You got to root it out. So you root out bitterness to prevent yourself from losing what? Look at verse 17. You root out bitterness to prevent yourself from losing our millennial inheritance. Verse 17 says, where he would have inherited the blessing, but he was rejected. Now, I know the doctrinal implication is tribulation, so forth and so on, the nation of Israel. But practically applied here, this thing is a picture of a Christian 
losing his millennial inheritance because he was nothing but a bitter chump his entire Christian life. You see it? You could have got rid of it. You could have got rid of it. Here we are, back to basics. First, you can get rid of it if you want. But he didn't. And see, when you get before the judgment seat of Christ, it's too late. It's too late. And there you are. You're seeking for repentance, but you can't. Why? It's too late. This is the only place you can get right. When that horn blows and we're out of here, you can't get right no more. <laughs> you go out the way you are. And uh, so you root out that bitterness to, present, uh, to prevent yourself from losing that inheritance. You know the verses. I, I know you know all the verses. Second John, uh, there's only one chapter, verse 8. talks about that we receive a full reward. Man, I want you to get a full reward. I want to get a full reward. You ever stop and think the fact that uh, some of us are bitter and not going to get a full reward because we won't put it in God's hand, won't let the thing go, won't get it right here, and we're going to get up there on the other side of glory, and we're like, man, man, if I just had 30 more seconds, I could have took care of it. And the Lord's like, yeah, but you can't, so we'll deal with you in a minute. <laughs> See what I mean? Well, you got to root out the bitterness. And here's, a, here's one more. Here's one more. You got you to gotta get rid of your profanity. <laughs> one more on this point, that is. Look at verse 16. talks about Esau. He was a what? A profane person. Now, if you uh, immediately, the Holy Spirit's getting after you because you cuss, well, that's not the direction I'm going, but that'll be a great application. Amen. <laughs> But uh, the definition of uh, profanity is uh, irreverent to anything sacred, proceeding from a contempt of sacred things. Now, I suppose that there's one thing I've noticed between when I graduated from school in 93 and now is the language is atrocious. And I'm in there 40 hours a week, and they just let it fly. It's terrible. Uh, I mean, when I first went there, I... I blushed for the first two days, and then I got done blushing. I just got mad and wanted to fight all the kids, you know what I mean? They shouldn't be talking like that. <laughs> you say, well, you're the wrong choice. Amen, I agree. Thank you very much for agreeing with me. But it's, uh, yeah, quit your profanity. That was a rule when we were in school. No profanity. If you have a decent job, uh, it's no profanity. That's what they say. That's a good rule to follow. Get rid of your profanity. But here, I want you to show you this. A profane person, you know what a profane person is? If you're thinking about Esau, he says, yeah, he's rough, tough, and likes to cuss. No, that's someone who's half in and half out. It's not about cussing. It's not about swearing. Esau was half in and half out. He was profane. He, was, he didn't treat the spiritual things the way he should have. He's like, ah, I don't care about it. You can have it. I just want a bowl of beans. You see what I mean? Esau was half in and half out. That's profane. You got to get rid of profanity. We're going to go back to basics. Esau's example given. And here's the thing Esau is the example, but yet twice in scriptures of Malachi 1 2, and the other one is Roman 9 13. This is the man whom God said he hated. That's rough, ain't it? God said, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. You say, why? He was profane. He despised spiritual things, he was half in and half out. And you know what? A good rule for this year, let's just go ahead and get rid of our profanity. Let's just sell out for Jesus Christ. Get rid of your profanity. Get rid of just all your worldliness and all your half in and half out and half a Christian one day and not a Christian the other day and on fire one day. Just, just get rid of that. Get rid of your profanity. 
uh, and you need to get rid of it before it's too late. Look at verse 17. It says, though he sought it carefully with tears. And we just talked about that, but it's too late to suffer for Jesus Christ after the rapture. Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You can't suffer for Jesus Christ after the rapture. This is the only place you can suffer for. You got to get rid of your profanity. You can be willing to suffer. If you're going to suffer for Jesus Christ, let me say this, you're going to do it now or you won't do it all. Now here's something real simple. Last point and I'm done. You ready? Stay in school until the bell rings. Amen? Now the coolest part about class or school was never getting there, but the best part of every class was that bell ringing. Amen? I mean, uh, I tell my age, but there's a dumb show called Saved by the Bell, and when the bell hits, it doesn't matter. The teacher could be in this lengthy lecture about thermodynamics and astrophysics and, and the Pythagorean theorem and all that stuff, and that bell ring, there is a mass exodus going on. Amen? I'm just saying stay in school till the bell rings. Let me show you this. Look at this here in verse 19. I'm just taking, I'm just, I'm just preaching now. Okay? I'm not taking the doctrinal application. But notice verse 19. You know what I see? I see the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words. <laughs> I'm saying stay in school till the bell rings. And my eyes are, are on the master teacher, the head teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet my ears are listening for that trumpet, that bell to ring. Amen? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 26, Bible says, at the last trump. Not Donald, amen, but at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. I'm listening for the sound of the trumpet, and you know what? In verse 19, I'm listening for the voice of words, where he calls my name, and he says, come up hither. Let me give you this verse, John chapter 10, verse 3. The Bible says, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. You see that? <laughs> There's one universal language in public schools. Do they still have bells over there where you're at? High school does. Uh, they got rid of the bells where I teach school. That's the dumbest thing. Amen. <clears throat> but, uh, but there's one universal language that every school kid knows that when that bell rings, they're either supposed to be in class or class is over. And the best feeling in the world is when class is over. I don't care how much you like the teacher, you're just happy it's over. It's one less class. Let me tell you what, every day that goes by is one less class that we have to take. We're going to get out of here soon. I'm just trying to exhort you the last couple of minutes before we go uh, eat some uh, real food, amen, and uh, stay in school until the bell rings. You say, how ridiculous. Is it really? I'm listening for the trumpet. I'm listening for my name. I'm listening for... Jeremy Evans, come up hither. <laughs> because it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I'm getting out of here. Amen? And uh, so stay in school. Keep coming to class every day. You see, there were kids, and you might have been one of those kids. You didn't feel like going, you just skipped, right? And no one ever skipped, right? I was too afraid to skip because my old man, he was a truancy officer. He was a transportation supervisor, and he just strung me up, man. I'm telling you what. But there are some kids, they didn't care, they'd skip, and it, it never helped them. I'm telling you, it never helped them to skip class. So don't skip class. Show up. Don't skip. And how about this? Don't drop out. 
I'm glad we can't lose our salvation, amen. But don't drop out. Isn't that what they say? Be cool, stay in school, right? And keep listening for the bell. Keep listening for that trumpet. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of your word, even in the book of Hebrews. Father, I pray that you'd bless uh, your people for coming out tonight and enduring this service. It's been longer than normal. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for showing up and helping us tonight. Father, would you please bless the food that uh, the ladies and the men have prepared. And I pray that you'd bless it to our bodies, if possible. And we uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, a new year that's almost there. But, Father, should you see fit to get us out of here before the new year, that'd be a blessing, too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so when the gals have everything ready, we'll enjoy some food.